wrestling is a girl thing too. Deal with it. And welcome to Girl Talk with Gabby, a weekly wrestling podcast where I discuss everything happening in the WWE and beyond. Wow, you guys, this was a very eventful week in the world of professional wrestling. But before I discuss all of that stuff, I'd like to talk about Muhammad Ali, the greatest that ever lived. He passed away Friday. Very, very sad to hear about it. Oh my goodness. There are very few living icons left in this world, and he was one of them. I hope that however he passed away, he was at peace, and I know that the world is definitely better having had him in it. There would be no WWE the way it is without him. There would be no boxing the way it is without him. He defined combat sports for an entire generation, and he was not only just a proud boxer, but he was proud of who he was as a human being, and he encouraged others to be proud of who they were and to chase after their dreams as well. So the world lost someone who is not only a legend at a sport, but just a legend as a human being. So rest in peace, Muhammad Ali. Thank you for everything. Okay, on a brighter note, there was a lot that changed in the landscape of WWE this week. Not only did we have a lot of news come out about various stuff, I actually uh, watched a documentary this uh, this week, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, and that was really, really good. I encourage anyone who has Netflix to go and watch that right away. I cried. I cry at everything, but still, the fact remains, it's awesome. All right, so today what we're going to do, I'm going to recap Raw. I'll discuss uh, NXT and SmackDown, and then I have a little special thing. I posted a blog this week of how I would book Seth Rollins' return, and you guys, I booked this all the way, all the way through WrestleMania 33, so you'll definitely want to stick around for that. So, without any further ado, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. So this week's Raw wasn't anything special. I mean, it's really hard for Raw to keep living up to how incredible it was right after WrestleMania, but... This, you know, nothing much happened. I think the writers kind of conceded to the fact that the NBA Finals were going to drain audiences, but the return of John Cena definitely, definitely helped boost things. And Raw, actually, in ratings-wise, it performed much better than anyone could have expected. So, that's good. Thank you, John Cena, for the John Cena effect. I really appreciate it. So Raw kicked off uh, with the entire roster on the stage. It was kind of cool seeing Cena and Rollins standing back there where they belong. Uh, They had a Memorial Day segment because May 30th was Memorial Day. And then the show opened in earnest with Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon. Oh, yes. Uh, Shane acknowledged the upcoming brand split because this was the first time that they could acknowledge it and talk about what it means on air. So naturally, they gave us no new information. They wasted a 20-minute opening segment basically saying, we're not telling you anything. So, uh, I, that's not appreci- uh, appreciated, but, you know. Uh, Stephanie acknowledged the return of John Cena, and they were interrupted by the New Day, who were wondering about what the brand extension would mean for them. Uh, their questions were dodged, and the New Day demanded that they not split up. Please do not split up the New Day. Oh, God. They pointed out Shane and Stephanie's kind of tension, the little rivalry that you know, is still a plot line because God forbid we ever have a time where WWE isn't revolving around the McMahon family drama. And (laughs) they challenged the two to a dance challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah. We saw Shane McMahon twerk. 
Stephanie was about to dance herself, and I was really excited to see what that was gonna be, but the Vaudevillains interrupted for their match against the New Day, and, you know, there's nothing more heelish than keeping, you know, the thirsty, uh, boys from the Attitude Era who still go crazy over anything that objectifies women, uh, from seeing them seeing Stephanie twerk. I kid, I kid, I kid. I wanted to see Stephanie try twerking too, so that was not appreciated. Uh, <laughs> the New Day versus the Vaudevillains was the first match of the night. English and Gotch worked to not allow the New Day's numbers game to give them any advantage, which was smart because the numbers game is what prevented them from winning the tag team championships back at uh, their last match. So that was very good callback right there. That was very clever. I'm happy they did that. Uh, it's not often WWE has a longer memory than a day, so that's appreciated. Big E took control in the ring. It looked like things were definitely going the New Day's way, but then Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson interjected. They took Woods and Kingston out at ringside before doing the same to Big E. And then backstage, they declared that everyone on the roster should be on notice. I thought that was a bunch of big talk. I was like, oh, they're just going to go for the tag team titles, which is, first off, yes, please. Second off, they literally meant everyone on the roster, and we'll get to that later. I am so excited to have Gallows and Anderson going after the tag team titles. I don't even know what to say about it. Their reign has been, or both of their reigns, have been really memorable. That's true. I'm not going to doubt that at all. But the thing about it is that it has been memorable solely because of what they do, like their entertainment value. They haven't really had a great reign in terms of title defenses because when you think about it, who have they had to defend their titles against, you know? Back when they were going against the Lucha Dragons, the Lucha Dragons were no real threat to anyone before Kalisto's solo run. The Usos, uh, there was no kid in Cesaro. The Dudley boys were definitely not what they used to be and they were definitely not going to get that 10th title anytime soon. And the Ascension's a joke. So they really didn't have any really good competition to help them raise their game, you know? Most of their most memorable stuff didn't even have to do with their title defenses at all. I mean, the only super memorable match I can remember is from TLC, you know? So for them, like, their their most memorable segments was when they, like, teamed up with Seth Rollins both times. Oh my god. And just all of the crazy stuff they would say, you know? It wasn't really about how they defended their title in the ring, you know? I mean, when you think about the first tag team renaissance, you think of Edge and Christian, the Dudley boys, the Hardy boys, you know? You think about that and you think, would it have been a tag team renaissance without all three teams involved, without the level of competition forcing all the other teams to raise their game, you know? Because it takes two to tango, or four, you know? So I am super excited to see Gallows and Anderson going up against the New Day, kind of feuding with them. It's a great kind of foil, you know? You have the super serious, super hardcore, ah, the club, versus the new day that twerks in the ring, you know? It's a great kind of contrast to put on the screen, and Gals and Anderson are the only team right now that feels like a legitimate threat to the new day, so I'm excited about that. After this match was Brizango versus the Usos, yeah, they mixed it up a bit, and unfortunately, their winning streak came to a very sad and unexciting end. However, they were really upset that they lost, and they blamed the Golden Truth who were on commentary. They brawled at ringside and the Golden Truth double teamed on them to take him out. This storyline, what is its 
purpose. I mean, they've dedicated so much time to building this feud and this storyline. If they put half as much patience and care into crafting their main event feuds as they did this one, oh my god, you know, maybe ratings wouldn't be a total disaster. Following this, Roman Reigns came out to the ring to cut a promo on Seth Rollins. He called him a coward for always running away and challenged him to come out to the ring and face him like a man. Seth did, but he didn't even make it to the ring. He kept teasing about like five times going into the ring. He even teased cutting a promo, but no, all he did was laugh and go off stage. So here's what I do not understand, okay? This is what I don't get. And Seth Rollins, you have one of the best in-ring workers in the entire company who is dynamite on the mic. He is riding a tidal wave of support from the WWE Universe as he returns from injury. You just released an inspiring recovery documentary about him. Even as a heel, he has the ability to work the crowd into a chorus of boos, into a frenzy. And you know what? You don't have him say anything. And then you have, you know, his opponent who is supposedly the face of the company now, who is tepid at best and hated at worst, and he's the baby face, and you have him do all the talking in the segment. I mean, do you hate Roman Reigns? Look, I do not have anything against Roman Reigns personally. Do I like his character that much? No, I think it's boring and stale. But that doesn't mean I don't want him to improve and succeed, and frankly, WWE is not doing much to help him. Yes, he is definitely being able to show off the chops he has in the ring by working with in-ring generals such as AJ Styles, someone who can say, hey, look, this guy can hang with me. He can go in the ring. He may not be the crowd-pleasing high flyer that I am, but look at him. His own style works for him, and that's all fine and dandy. But don't have him talk, you know? His, this bland, the guy character babyface, no one is going to connect with it, and you're not doing him or Seth any favors by having him be the the one to talk on the mic all the time by having him be the one who looks strong, Roman strong, you know? It's, 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 pardon my French, it's bullshit. <sighs> Following this was Rusev versus Zack Ryder, and Rusev dominated from start to finish. It looked like Ryder was gonna have this really cute little baby face comeback, but we all knew better at this point, and Rusev locked in the accolades soon after for the tap-out pinball. And, uh, you know, in the ring, he cut a promo about himself. He called himself a great American, but Titus O'Neil cut him off, berating him for daring to say such a thing, and then punching him out of the ring, because, you know... When all else fails, always resort to the America-loving babyface against an evil foreign heel, cause, uh, we in America, we hate foreigners, and they're, they're not real America, America, hot dogs, burgers. I, I, I really like Titus O'Neil, and I'm glad he has an actual storyline to go off of now. You know, I don't think he's ever held a singles title, so it'd be really cool to see him, you know, vie for it. Do I think he's gonna get it on his first try? Definitely not, but it's still cool seeing him kind of get, you know, some credit, especially after his suspension. Backstage, Stephanie did that thing where she completely emasculates someone, except this time it was Charlotte, so is it effeminates? I don't know what the word is, but she berated him for disrespecting her father so badly last week on Raw. The next match after this was the long-awaited Enzo and Cass versus the Dudley Boys, and Enzo and Cass walked away with the victory. I thought this was going to be a pay-per-view match, but it looks like Enzo and Cass are moving on to greener pastures sooner rather than later. Might we be seeing a tag team uh, triple threat match? Oh, imagine the kind of stuff Enzo could say about Anderson and Gallows. Oh my lordy! And then following this was the long-awaited return of Super John Cena! 
He cut an impassioned promo in the ring about being back, about, you know, freedom and what he does in the ring and about whether or not he truly belongs in this new era. Answer, John? Yes, you do, just not at the top of the card. And then, to everyone's delight, I actually fell off my bed watching this. AJ Styles' entrance music hit, and the phenomenal one emerged, entering the ring and staring right at John Cena. You know, for several minutes, no one could get a word out as dueling chants of AJ Styles, let's go Cena, rang through the arena, and it was magical, I tell you. Absolutely surreal seeing AJ Styles and John Cena looking at each other in the WWE ring. I never thought in a million years, if you had asked me a year ago, I would have laughed. I never thought we would get the chance to see these two performers who define their own generation in different ways. Yes, but nonetheless, they are iconic of their generation. Seeing them in the same ring was surreal. Absolutely surreal. Styles told Cena he respected him, shook hands, but then Gals Anderson emerged calling Styles an ass kisser and then charging the ring. And Styles and Cena both, you know, they were preparing, preparing for battle. Oh my god, Styles and Cena together. Who? How could we go wrong? But then Styles turned on Cena, absolutely blindsiding him, and the reunited Bullet Club, I'm sorry, club, huh? battered down Cena together, absolutely decimating him in the ring. Styles was a man possessed. They left the ring and then Styles kept charging back like three times to do more damage to Cena. And they too sweeted in the ring and left him lying. Oh my god, you guys. This is huge. After months of, you know, resisting temptation and staying a good guy, AJ Styles has turned heel. On one hand, WWE, he always gets the biggest babyface pop wherever he goes. Are you nuts? On the other hand, as someone who has watched his New Japan work, hell freaking yes. AJ Styles is a, pardon the pun, phenomenal heel. He is great at being just, you know, like a, a, a pit bull kind of evil, like punch, punch, punch. No nonsense with the moves to back it up. It is incredible seeing him back in that, and he also looks incredibly comfortable as a heel, so maybe this will help him just kind of get back in the groove of things, and you know, I know he's been working injured a lot, so this might be a blessing in disguise, because as a heel, he's kind of letting up on the high-flying, crowd-pleasing, high-risk maneuvers, and that'll probably help his body kind of recover from the crazy stuff he's been doing with Reigns in the past few weeks, so that's good for him, and I am so happy to see the Bullet Club taking WWE by storm and taking out John Cena. That is huge, you guys. Absolutely massive. I, oh my god, I'm so excited to see where this goes. I really am. You know, AJ Styles versus John Cena has been announced for Monday in the Bank, and this is a dream match. And you know, and I didn't see this coming. I really did not see this coming. And frankly, predictability is kind of the kiss of death for WWE. So I am so happy that I was blindsided by this, you know? I did not, in in my wildest dreams, imagine this happening. And that is great. WWE, 
props to you. You surprised me, and I could not be any happier. Additionally, WWE is really in need of more top-caliber heels, you know? Seth Rollins is inching towards a possible face turn. Kevin Owens is brilliant, but he's wrapped up in his own storylines right now. Miz, Sheamus, Del Rio, talented, not new era, cannot sustain a main event push. AJ Styles, you know, he's high profile, he's talented, and he can really step up and be the main event bad guy that WWE is sorely needing. And you know what? If you add Finn Balor to the mix, you don't have to turn him heel, and we can finally get Balor versus Styles. Oh my god, the possibilities! I'm gonna cry! <laughs> After this match, we had Natalia versus Dana Brooke. And within moments, Dana Brooke got an easy win over Natalia because, you know, we can't have a Monday Night Raw without the women getting a throwaway match. Ugh. God, it's like WWE takes one step forward and two steps back, you know, every damn time. But, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the faith. After this, in what was advertised as a technical wrestling match, or as I like to call it, a freaking wrestling match, Dolph Ziggler was going to go against Baron Corbin, and man, Dolph Ziggler went all out. He had his like old Kent State wrestling gear and all that stuff, but you know, the match didn't go anywhere as Ziggler hit Baron Corman with a shameless low blow to end the match then and there. That's hilarious. The technical stipulation was obnoxious and seeing it that it was all just kind of a ploy was great. It really did make Ziggler look less like the idiot that he has looked like lately and it also allowed Ziggler to kind of take a fall and let Ziggler uh, build himself up without making Corbin uh, look, you know, weak or stupid, you know? And then we had our main event. Dean Ambrose, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn versus Alberto Del Rio, Kevin Owens, and Chris Jericho. Ladies and gentlemen, your Money in the Bank ladder match contestants! Oh my god, so many, so many people that I would not mind getting the briefcase, which means Del Rio's gonna get it, right? <laughs> This was a great match. There was a lot going on. Basically, everyone hit their finishers. Uh, you know, it was a main event caliber match. You know, the dynamic between the heels was hilarious. Jericho, Owens, and Del Rio were, like, bickering the entire time. It was awesome. It was awesome. And Ambrose managed to regain some momentum that he lost with his feud with Jericho, ironically. And Sami Zayn and Cesaro both looked exceptional as well. This really did a good job of making everyone look like a viable contender to take that briefcase come Money in the Bank. So, you know, it, as a whole, Raw was pretty mediocre, but AJ Styles' heel turn saved the entire thing. And people are going to be talking about that for a long, long time. So because of my audio issues, I didn't really get to talk about this last week, but I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and talk, give my own two cents on the Ricochet-Will Ospreay match. Yes, you know the one. In short, I did watch the entire match and I loved it. You know, I thought it was an incredible display of athleticism, of agility, and of just... They're high flyers, you guys. They're high flyers. Of course, if you put two high flyers in the ring together, they're both going to utilize that kind of, you know, technique against each other. It's like if you put two strong men in the ring together, they're just going to punch each other, you know? So, I hear Vader's criticism. I understand what he's where he's coming from, kind of, but in a way, I think that wrestling is an evolving sport, you know? The world doesn't just stay stagnant. It has to grow and evolve and change. And I saw storytelling in the Ricochet Osprey match. It's not the kind of storytelling that you would expect, but it's still storytelling all the same. Wrestling is an art form, you know? People express themselves differently through art, you know? Not everyone is going to use abstract art or, you know, 
impressionism or realism. That's not how it works, and that's not how wrestling works, you know? And I find I found it kind of hilarious that this is coming from Vader, who was famous for being a big guy who could do a moonsault. So I'm like, oh, don't do that flippy shit, you know? So, I mean, I understand where he's coming from, but me personally, I think that people just need to calm the heck down about it, you know? They're two talented performers. I love Ricochet and Osprey. So I say to you guys, congratulations on being two incredible performers and keep doing you. All right, coming up on NXT. Yes, this week is NXT TakeOver The End. Dot, dot, dot. You can't forget the dot, dot, dot. It's obnoxious as hell, but you can't forget it. We have so much coming up for that, and I am super excited for every single match on that card. I mean, when you think about it, NXT TakeOver The End is stacked, man. It's loaded. So, on the card, we have Ty Dillinger versus the debuting Andrade Cien Almas. Oh my god, I'm so excited for that. Super happy that Ty Dillinger is on an NXT TakeOver card. We have Austin Aries versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm. Oh my lord. Not, no words necessary, right? We have, for the NXT Tag Team titles, Dash and Dawson versus Gable and Jordan, or The Revival versus American Alpha. That is going to be a great match. I am looking forward to seeing Ciampa and Gargano have their shot at the tag team titles, because if American Alpha is indeed getting called up with the brand split, then NXT is going to need a new uh, tag team champion, and who better than Ciampa and Gargano against TM61? We already saw it hinted at, so I want it. I think everyone else should too. <laughs> For the NXT women's title, because Bailey is not medically cleared, quote unquote, to compete, we have Nia Jax versus Asuka. This is going to be an explosive clash of the titans right here. I'm super excited for this match. I have a feeling Asuka is going to retain. I mean, it is her first defense after all, and she still hasn't lost. So, yeah, my money's on her. And then, for the NXT title, we have a steel cage match. Oh, woo, y'all. Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe. This is going to be brutal, and I have a feeling that it's going to be the last stand in NXT for Finn Balor. And frankly, what better way to go out than in a steel cage match against Samoa Joe? That's just me. Okay, so we only have a couple more things to talk about before I'm gonna sign off for the week. First off, I reached 200 followers on Twitter last week and I wasn't able to thank anyone, so this is me saying thank you guys so much for getting me to 200 followers. This is awesome. I enjoy doing what I do, and I am so happy to be able to talk about wrestling with you guys. So, thank you so much for 200 followers. Second off, let's talk about Sasha Banks, shall we? First off, why the hell is she not wrestling on TV. I know that Vince McMahon thinks she's injury prone and stuff, but when you think about it, she's only had two rumored injuries, and one of them, she was back in time to steal the show at WrestleMania. The second one was a freak accident that wasn't her fault. She was kneed by a freaking referee. Why do you think she is injury prone, and why are you giving her shit for being better than everyone else? You know, it just makes no sense to me. Original plans had her getting the title at SummerSlam. If you're gonna do that, you better hurry up and start building her up the way she deserves, because this really, quite frankly, is a bunch of baloney BS, you know? It's ridiculous, and frankly, I think Vince McMahon is full of shit. <laughs> no, I mean, God. I understand his concerns, especially after Daniel Bryan, but 
Sasha Banks is young. She is hungry. She is hugely popular. You have to take advantage of that, you know? You have to. If you're worried about her only going all out and performing, then just tell her to tone it back. Simple as that. Alright, outside of WWE, there's obviously a lot of stuff going on. Lucha Underground, I'd like to say Lucha Underground has been fire. Straight fire. I am a huge fan of Sexy Star, and I'm greatly enjoying everything they're putting out. Ring of Honor, wildly entertaining. I mean, of course it is. You know, I've really kind of just fallen in love with Adam Cole over the past few weeks. I've always wanted him to kind of be in Bullet Club, so seeing him, like, in action with them is just, it's great. There's a great, uh, interview that Sam Roberts did with him and the young bucks and I encourage everyone to listen to it because it's absolutely hilarious. Those guys are so entertaining and I love them. Uh, New Japan, Tanahashi is injured which is really really sad to hear but I hope he gets better. Better to play it safe than sorry, you know? And of course, you know, TNA, uh, <laughs> the Hardys, that, that, that video, that is, uh, that happened. It, it happened and, uh, I'm, that's, I think that's all I'm gonna talk about about that. I don't, I don't know if I have any more words to describe how odd that video was. <laughs> Alright, before I sign off for the night, I wanted to share some fantasy booking with you guys. As you know, every once in a while I post a blog called Gabby Books It, where I take a superstar and I just kind of book them however I would do it. In the past, I have booked what I wanted for Dean Ambrose going into WrestleMania. I booked an AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens feud. I have booked a Roman Reigns heel turn against AJ Styles, and now I am booking the return of Rollins all the way through WrestleMania 33. You know, I've been wanting Rollins versus Reigns for the longest time. The very first uh, Raw recap I posted on this blog was actually from Seth's final Raw episode before his injury. So this was all the way in late October. And back then I said, so, Roman and Seth fighting for the title? I definitely can dig it. Reigns has performed like a true star in his feud with Wyatt and has won over the WWE Universe. My only beef? That Ambrose isn't in the running. But who knows, there's still time to fix that. <laughs> I guess not much has changed, is it? <laughs> Except for the fact that, you know, Roman's popularity has plummeted into the drain. Poor, poor Roman. So I, I did say that I was disappointed about Seth returning as a heel, but I can deal with it. I can deal with it. I, I loved him as a heel. I loved him when all y'all were calling him a weak champion when, you know, and it was just weak booking. But, you know, it's, it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> so here's how I would book Rollins' return. And yes, this goes all the way through WrestleMania. So this is pretty long term. So as Money in the Bank draws closer and closer, Rollins just grows more and more aggressive. And Stephanie, to his bewilderment, just books him in increasingly difficult matches against the likes of Kevin Owens, Anderson, Jericho. And you know what? Seth Rollins wins them all. Zayn interferes costing Owens his match because, you know, we don't want to make Owens lose clean too many times, right? And then finally, a frustrated Rollins approaches Shane McMahon because he has no idea why Stephanie is just shutting him out all of a sudden and giving him such a hard time. Shane tells Seth that he cannot do anything to help him and that he's going to have to stand on his own two feet for the first time in his WWE career. This, of course, infuriates Seth, who storms away to throw, you know, a temper tantrum because he's Seth Rollins. Cameras follow Rollins because, you know, who doesn't want to see a train wreck of a human being, right? And to everyone's surprise, he runs right into Dean Ambrose. Rollins prepares for a fight because, you know, he and Dean aren't exactly buddies. But Dean assures him that he's not looking for a fight. Yet. In fact, he has some advice to offer his former S.H.I.E.L.D. brother. He says, the only person you can ever truly rely on is yourself. And Seth scoffs at that. He's like, yeah, well, look at where you got you, huh? 
And then Dean just shrugs, you know, he's not really affected by this, and he says, I'm still standing, aren't I? And turns and walks away. Camera focuses on Rollins, who is deep in thought, and for the first time, really unsure. The next week, Roman Reigns opens Raw, reminding the jeering crowd, because, you know, crowds jeer at him, that he wasn't the one who turned on his brothers for the sake of getting ahead. He wasn't the one who hid behind J&J security, the authority. He says Seth Rollins is a weasel who doesn't have the courage or ability to fight his own battles. Q Rollins, who charges down the ramp, mic in hand, furious, he tells Roman that he didn't have the authority or J&J by his side when he pinned him to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. No, he did that all by himself. And at Money in the Bank, he proclaims brashly, I'm going to do it all over again. You might be the guy, Roman, but I am the man. I always have been and I always will be. And you can believe that. <laughs> I love throwing catchphrases back at people, right? Money in the Bank arrives and Rollins looks poised to reclaim the title that he never lost. So to everyone's surprise, Money in the Bank opens with Triple H, making his first appearance on television since losing to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. He says that he doesn't want a reshot at Roman Reigns' title. He says, I have better things to do than parade around that belt for an ungrateful crowd such as yourself. He says, you know what? I had the title because I wanted it. But you know what? I have my sights set on bigger things. He says, we know about this brand extension and I'm going to make sure that the authority, oh yeah, the authority is the ones calling all of the shots no matter what brand it is, be it red or blue. Obviously the crowd is very upset by this. Later in the show, we see him approach Seth Rollins and say, hey, if you want help, from the authority? You've got it. Seth, of course, is just like, what the hell, Hunter? Stephanie has been treating me like crap these past few weeks. You tried to recruit Roman Reigns to the authority the week after I was gone. Why should I, why would I even want your help? And Triple H is like, look, look, I understand your frustration, Seth, but you must understand everything we do, we do because it's best for business. And Seth says, so do you not think I'm best for business? And then Triple H just kind of looks at him and he says, uh, well, I guess we'll see. And then just kind of walks away. And then Seth is insanely confused. Later we see Triple H approach Roman Reigns and he's like, are you ready to face Seth? And then Roman Reigns is like, you know, obviously he hates Triple H. So he goes, yes, I am. And if you interfere, I will spear you in half just like I did at Mania. And then Triple H just kind of chuckles and walks away. And Roman is just like, uh the hell? Obviously it's gonna be better scripted than that. I'm coming up with that on the fly. So, Rollins and Reigns, of course, put on an instant classic together. The match looks pretty even throughout, and the two brothers just dish out everything they have on each other, with Rollins returning to his more babyface-esque flying style. However, at the match's conclusion, Rollins hits a stunning Phoenix Splash on Reigns and follows it with a pedigree for good measure. The crowd goes mental as Rollins covers Reigns with a one, two, lights go out. Seconds later, they come back on and Triple H is standing there in the center of the ring. This time, he is in his wrestling gear. Rollins is shocked and Triple H takes advantage. He immediately starts attacking Seth Rollins. Reigns is like, uh, okay, what? Triple H stops his beatdown, looks at Reigns, and everyone wonders if he will help his helpless foe or join in on the carnage, and Reigns joins in. 
I should also manage to add that Ambrose wins the Money in the Bank briefcase that night. Triple H opens Raw the next week announcing, once again, that the Authority is going to control Raw and SmackDown if he has anything to say about it. You know, WWE will build on the real-life tension between Shane and Triple H. Triple H is kind of looking to exert total control over WWE television. If he can't be champion, then he will be in charge of everything. Seth Rollins emerges saying, uh, excuse me? You just cost me the title. You were my mentor. Why would you do that to me? And Triple H is like, look, Seth, you came here demanding a title shot. I know you never dropped that title, but you were the weakest champion we had. He says, I kept trying to let you stand on your own, but every time I gave you just a breath away from me, you would fail. You failed at Money in the Bank, and you failed to stay with the authority. And then Seth is furious, so he storms the ring and just attacks Triple H, flinging curses, yelling, furious. And then Roman Reigns emerges, pulling Seth off of Triple H to everyone's shock. Everyone's like, is Roman joining the authority? What's going on? And then later that night, Reigns cuts a promo. He says he would never support Triple H, but he will not let Seth run rampant around Raw. He says that as long as he's champion, do things the right way, his way. And the crowd, of course, boos to infinity. And Seth Rollins emerges again. He slams Reigns for interfering in his own business and tells him to mind his own or suffer the consequences. So when the WWE draft rolls along, Rollins is drafted to SmackDown. Of course he is. I am going to insist that there only be one WWE World Heavyweight Championship because anything else is, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. Two championships diminishes the importance of the title, you know? What are you going to decide is the main event of WrestleMania, huh? Because whichever's the main event, instantly people are going to be like, oh, Raw's more important. Oh, SmackDown's more important when they should be on equal footing. <sighs> Rollins is drafted to SmackDown. He has granted his rematch against Reigns at Battleground, and in the build-up, Triple H begins to interfere in Shane McMahon's way of running the blue brand. Yes, Shane is going to be in charge of SmackDown for now. He exerts his authority, pun very much intended, over both Raw and SmackDown and books matches without Shane's consent, and we can see Shane growing increasingly frustrated because there is nothing he can do about it, because technically Triple H is just as powerful as he is. However, curiously, when he books a match against Shane's witches, wishes, Seth Rollins appears to mix things up. He interferes in matches, goes on commentary, and just causes general mayhem for Triple H's favorites like Kevin Owens and the returning Randy Orton, who is now serving as Triple H's enforcer, having secretly reconciled while he was injured. Ooh. Rollins makes life such a living hell for Triple H that he injects Randy Orton into Rollins' battleground rematch. Shane asks him to stop, saying he's only making things worse, but Rollins does not care. At this point, he is just pissed off and out for vengeance. Rogue Rollins is in full force. Come Battleground, Reigns wins by pinning Orton, who costs Rollins the match when he breaks a pin. He refuses to give Seth another shot at his precious title, and on SmackDown, Rollins just goes right after Triple H, decimating him backstage. Randy Orton tries to come to Triple H's rescue, and the two begin to team up on Rollins, but, shockingly, Dean Ambrose comes to Rollins' rescue. Rollins is kind of wary of Ambrose's intention, but Ambrose merely tells Seth that he owes him a favor now. Ooh interesting. The next week, an infuriated Triple H brings Rollins out to the ring and threatens to fire him, but Shane comes out and tells Triple H that if he fires Rollins, he is missing out on a golden opportunity because Shane knows how to manipulate people. That's right. 
And then he books a blockbuster match for SummerSlam, Triple H versus Seth Rollins, with the loser leaving SmackDown for good. Yes, that's right. If Seth loses, he is fired because Stephanie sure as hell isn't taking him on Raw. And then if Triple H loses, he can no longer interfere in Shane's business. In the weeks leading up to SummerSlam, Rollins and Ambrose become uneasy allies, kind of like Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch were, arguing constantly but watching each other's backs nonetheless because they have no choice, really. Like the Shield of Old, they become unstoppable together, teaming up to further both Rollins' feud with Triple H and Ambrose's feud with, yeah, Randy Orton. That's the match I want. You know, Triple H taunts Rollins throughout all this. He tells him that without the authority, without him, he'd be nothing. He tells Seth that he was always his second choice and that he would always be one step behind Roman Reigns. This finally comes to an explosive conclusion at SummerSlam. Rollins and Triple H take each other to hell and back in, oh, I don't know, no DQ match, Extreme Rules match, something like that. And Rollins finally works like he did in his babyface days, fully flying around the ring like a superhero. He beats Triple H with two finishers. First the pedigree, then the Phoenix Splash. The crowd goes wild and Rollins revels in it. Finally, the babyface rogue that he's meant to be. This feud kind of allows Rollins to step away from the World Heavyweight Championship for a little while and also teases a Shield reunion just slightly. We'll get to that. He doesn't really return to stake a claim for the championship until the Royal Rumble. That's right. Facing Reigns and reclaiming the title that he never lost at long last. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm having Seth win that title back. Reigns gets his rematch at Fastlane and Rollins comes out on top. However, Rollins only wins when Reigns' fury finally drives him over the edge and into a full heel turn, attacking Rollins with a steel chair and getting a DQ. And that night, Stephanie and Shane announce that the two will face each other one more time in the main event of WrestleMania. Oh yeah, that's right. The next week on SmackDown, however, Ambrose opens the show, calling Rollins to the ring and saying that he still does owe him a favor. But he says, I don't need the favor in order to cash in. And then he tells Seth, you know, just so everyone is aware that he will be cashing in his briefcase in the main event of WrestleMania. He wants it to be a triple threat match. The crowd naturally goes absolutely nuts and then Rollins just shakes his hand and the match is on. In the build-up to this, Reigns is running rampant on Raw. Meanwhile, Rollins and Ambrose are kind of building up that rivalry again. It's not exactly as personal as it was in the past, but it is still heated. The two both want to be on top of the WWE. They cut promos on Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns on Raw cuts promos on them. And then, at WrestleMania, who comes out on top? Dean Ambrose. That's right. Seth got to stand tall at the end of 31, Reigns stood tall at the end of 32, and Ambrose will have 33. This will allow Rollins and Ambrose to feud for the title over the summer, and Rollins can finally take it back at SummerSlam. That's right. This booking allows Rollins to not only cement himself as the face of WWE in a way and capitalize on the crowd's goodwill towards him, but it also lets Roman Reigns have a long run on top of the company and gives Dean Ambrose a shot to re-inject himself into the main event scene where he belongs. All right, what do you guys think? Do you you like it? Let me know on Twitter. That is all the time that I have for today. I am tired. I have a lot to do. 
but I am still excited for what WWE has in store for us. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at GirlTalkWWE and my personal account at not underscore Gabriella. I'm also the, f- the host of the Hot Tags, a tag team centric podcast sponsored by the Fans Podcast. You can find me on Twitter there at the Hot Tags with two T's, mind you. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. Thank you for getting me to 200 followers. Just thank you so much. I love doing this and I just, it makes me so happy that you guys like listening to what I say. So I will see you guys next week. Have a wonderful week and enjoy this wonderful, wonderful world of wrestling. Bye!